Jen Zamparelli on 2FM with Leia Healthcare. Always a beat ahead. Visit LeiaHealthcare.ie. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always. I don't know if you've heard, but Apple has begun making payments in a 500 million lawsuit over claims it deliberately slowed down certain iPhones in the US and is facing a similar case in the UK. Now, will this see the tech industry start to take a stronger interest in ecology rather than just the economy? Well, Elaine Burke, journalist and host of For Tech's Sake podcast, it's a great one, make sure you check it out, is back with me now to explain all. Elaine, how's it going? Going very well, yeah. Good. Okay, so Apple admitted to slowing down some phones in the US back in 2017. So why has this taken so long? Why has it taken seven years? Uh, well, I suppose anytime you want to claw money from a massive corporation, it is going to take a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, they did agree. So the uh, admission came in 2017. Uh, the class action lawsuit followed soon after. And that involves about 24 million users in that one lawsuit. That's the US one. And uh, then it was going through the courts, through all the like legal machinations. And eventually Apple decided to settle in 2020. So that means that Apple hasn't actually admitted any fault. They have said that this software update was issued to these older phones so that it would actually slow down performance to improve the battery performance so that the phone wouldn't be overperforming and uh, like degrading the battery. That's a great excuse. And batteries do genuinely yeah. degrade over time. That is definitely a proven concept. So it is a very valid uh, reason for them to say that they're doing it for that reason. Um, so that means that they haven't admitted wrongdoing and they've settled just to end this lawsuit because it, they just said it was costing them money. And but they probably wouldn't have won. It's yeah, also they the might law- have won. They might not have won. And that's the thing. If they hadn't won and also just if other cases are going to come to bear on them and they end up having to admit fault in this one then it becomes a much more costly exercise. So this $500 million between this 24 million users the various users are getting about $92 each uh, in compensation for their phones. Now, some people bought multiple phones that were affected by this software update in that time because it ranges from the iPhone 6 uh, up to the iPhone 8 versions and that's the Plus versions and, uh, and the iPhone Xs as well. Okay. So there's a lot of phones involved and I did see some people screenshots uh, online uh, during the week which had like multiple payments so they'd obviously bought multiple Apple phones in that time period that were affected by this update. So some people got more than others. Okay. And what are Apple saying about the, the payouts and have have other tech companies been accused of the same? What What's going on there? So so this is something that's actually quite well known, uh, not just in the tech industry, but I think the tech industry is an area where people are quite conscious of it because it's easy for them to do it. And it's something called planned obsolescence. And essentially, it's a strategy whereby you know that your product is going to fail at some point and that your uh, customer is going to have to replace it and come back to you to get that replacement if they're a very loyal customer. And it's very appealing to investors. If you sell someone a really reliable product that they'll never have to replace in their life, you're probably not going to get great investment as a company. So that's just speaking to the flaws in the entire economic models that we've mm-hmm. set up for ourselves. They just, they aren't, cohesive with they don't make them like they used to yeah and circular economies and stuff like that and that's what people are trying to shift towards but in the software world planned obsolescence becomes that bit easier because you can just issue a software update that basically negates a piece of hardware and so the software becomes too fast for the hardware to keep up and the testing that they're doing uh, when they're developing new operating systems and stuff like that in various tech companies they'd be testing against their old models and they would well know which models are going to struggle to uh, work under a new operating system and we've gotten to a release schedule where you get new operating systems just about every year when it comes to mobile phones and mobile phones already perform really really brilliantly the kind of tech that you have in your pocket is way beyond some satellites that were launched in space in the 70s do you know what I mean like we actually do have a lot of uh, competency in the tech that we currently have 
But uh, it's also because of like marketing and consumerism, like they want to release new all the time. It's nearly become like a bit like fast fashion. There's a cycle in software where every year you're getting new software releases. It means that older versions uh, of the hardware won't be able to keep up and also support stops. So there's certain um, operating systems and software uh, lineages that they stop supporting them. So that means that security updates won't be issued for that software line. So say if you're running an old operating system, you won't have the same security as people who are on a newer version. And that's obviously very important to a lot of users, especially in the business world. And a lot of iPhone mm. users are in business. Um, so they would nearly have to be upgrading. Your IT staff would be advising you have to upgrade to keep up with security technologies. Yeah, I hear you. I, I have a friend or I know someone who would upgrade their phone every time uh, it comes out, a new iPhone comes out. She has to have one. What would your advice to her be? I'd say you absolutely don't have to do that. I mean, if you want to do that, I mean, that's your prerogative. That's but if, if it's your feeling that yeah. you need to, you really don't. The updates on phones in the last number of years have been incremental at best okay they might have a slightly better camera and they might have slightly better battery performance and it's just tiny little nudges forward and it's just so that they can say that they did something that they updated something and sometimes it's gotten to the point now where they're just packing in technology that no one really asked for packing in all this kind of like machine learning processing and that's going to take a lot of battery power so any phones that are starting to equip themselves with that kind of processing are probably going to see the battery life is going to be uh, overcompensating for it. and then you're going to have that cycle again where people start trying to work towards better battery power and you get they just get more runway in more updates, more cycles. And really, if your phone does what you need it to do and all you need it to do is send a few texts, capture some video um, and call people, well, then it's working fine. Don't be replacing it. OK, let's look at another story now that was in the news yesterday. So Facebook, Instagram, TikTok and lots of other video sharing platforms will have to take steps to protect Irish kids. What's that What's that story all about? Uh, so this actually isn't just about kids. It's about protecting everyone, really. And it's because Kamishu Naman has basically uh, identified the video sharing platforms that are now under its remit. And there's 10 of them. Um, so there's the obvious players, your Facebook, your Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. And then there's other places that maybe people aren't aware that video gets shared on, such as Reddit, Pinterest, LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn has video sharing capabilities. I just don't think they're used that mm. often. Um, and basically, this is... Uh, really kind of modernising the idea of a media commission in Ireland and recognising that social media is a media platform. A lot of people turn to it to get news and things like that, even though some of that content might be user generated and not generated by like an official news source. And uh, those video sharing elements are what's going to be under the remit of Commission Naman. So it's not that all social media is going to be relegated or re- regulated by this commission. It's because they're being seen as a media entity because of these video sharing capabilities, these broadcast video sharing capabilities I should say because you won't see things like WhatsApp or Telegram pop up on this list because they're direct messaging services at the end of the day they're not broadcast media now they do have functionality that enables say a video to be shared widely on those platforms and group chats and forwarding over and over again and they have issued limitations on things like that but they're not a broadcast media platform the way that social media has certainly become Okay Um, so what does it hope to achieve in the long run? Yeah so like I said it is it's looking at protection of children but protection of everyone in a way so and the children child side of things yeah exactly mm-hmm. um, now it's also actually very much in line with the Digital Services Act so if anyone's heard about that coming out of the EU that actually comes into force in February of this year and that looks at a lot of tighter regulation on online platforms and uh, that has a lot of the provisions that are actually being covered by Commission Oman and their work and they have this online safety code as well I should say that is open for public consultation and you can have a look at what they're proposing in there up until January 24 
31st and give your feedback. And what they're looking at is robust age verification for children. So making sure that you have proper controls in place to check if, if you have any content that's unsuitable for kids, that you're trying to make an effort to make sure that those kids can access that content, uh, to make sure that parents have controls to be able to uh, monitor or even control their, their child's use of technology. If they want to allow them to engage with technology, give them the tools to enable that to happen in a safe safe way. Uh, and then they're looking at illegal content in general. So if illegal content is being shared on those platforms, Platforms is being posted on the, those platforms that needs to be actioned and taken down by those platforms and that extends to incitement to hatred kind of content as well This is good news I can't believe you're going you rarely come in here with good news <laughs> uh, Do you think 2024 is the year that regulations you know will be put in place finally This is a Proper big year regulations. Oh, 100% yeah. so that Digital Services Act is doing a lot of work that is probably seen as long overdue at this mm. point but it just takes so long to get legislation over the line especially massive legislation that affects something so broad like this and social media is one of those things that snuck up and people were not defining it as media companies were very craftily not defining themselves as media but I mean every report has kind of shown otherwise that's how people view it that's how people consume it so it definitely does come under the remit of broadcast media and it's great to see that these changes are finally taking place and they're looking at things as well like giving people literacy tools like the platforms will actually have to give you tools to help you spot misinformation and disinformation now how this will all take shape is is what's going to be uh, the crux of this like will it actually be robust will it be good will it be platforms trying to phone it in just to try and tick boxes that's what we want to see a bit more than that and if they do find themselves in breach of these rules either by Commission Naman or by the EU Digital Services Act they will be fined 20 million euro or up to 6% of their annual turnover so in terms of legislation this is as big as like when GDPR came into effect and that we did see how that kind yes. of transformed our online digital lives and how our data is managed here in the EU so th- that this is going to be a significant year because of that Digital Services Act and then we've also got the progression of the EU AI Act which is one piece of legislation that is actually trying desperately to keep up with the technological developments and and doing a good job in terms of how the legal system works in doing so because the legal system is always going to be slower Mm -hmm. than technological developments but they like they've already included provisions for generative AI that they're looking into quite deeply and they are trying to make it so that any AI product A is disclosed and transparent that if you're interacting with AI that you know that you're interacting with AI Um, but also that anything that can is considered kind of high risk and high risk is just anything that can really impact your life so that could mean that even uh, and, and these are common now uh, a company that uses AI to screen CVs and, and things like that there'd be implicit biases and all sorts built into those systems and it could mean that you got ruled out for being evaluated for a job just because you're like your name or your background didn't quite match what an algorithm thought was suited to this job nobody wants that that's a horrible effect to have on your life that's done by an arbitrary machine that you've got no recourse with so Mm -hmm. these are the kind of things that are being labelled as high risk under the AI Act and now that's still going to take a bit longer to come into force but maybe as early as 2025 we might see that come in that is good That things are happening this is the news that we want to hear is there anything else happening in the tech world that we need to know about uh, no that's boring uh, how's no. the phone because like, we had you and you were talking about the new uh, the new phone was it the Google phone the Google phone yeah and that's on one of those that? ones that has all the AI built mm-hmm. in and all those photos features and all the ads were centred on those photos and stuff like that but I do think like people probably got loads of those things for Christmas and they're probably still using their phones the way they always did yes do my friend, the same things my friend big techie guy got the Google yeah. phone still but just taking pictures and sending 
actually voice, in line with that notes. Apple case to bear in mind is that we got the right to repair uh, progressing through uh, European Union uh, late last year. So again, it's still not quite come into force, but it's expected to come into force soon. And that enshrines uh, in us the right that we can get our products repaired. Even outside of warranty, you should be able to get your products repaired. And if this Apple case and stuff like that, if they want to issue an update and say that they need to issue an update to slow down the phone so that your battery still has a good performance, well, then give you the option to replace the battery or to do something else that you can get some longevity out of these devices. And that's the kind of thing that we're going to see here. And this right to repair is looking at things like making sure that the supply chain and parts and stuff like that doesn't become like astronomically overpriced mm. to making sure that third party um, people can be able to repair things because Apple, again, famously operates a very closed ecosystem when it comes to repair. So a lot of that stuff is changing now as well. And that's really, really good when, we co- when we're looking at sustainability and technology. It's good that you're mentioning this because I remember we had a car expert in and we were like, oh, do we buy second hand? Do we buy new? What do we do? What do we do? And she simply said, just look after what you have. I mean, that goes without saying. And same with what's in our hands and what's in our pockets. Yeah. Look after what we have. Uh, Elaine, thank you so much for coming in. That was Elaine Berg, a journalist and host of the For Tech's Sake podcast. You can check it out on all podcast platforms, I would say. Jen Zamparelli on 2FM with Leia Healthcare. Always a beat ahead. Visit leahhealthcare.ie. Leia Healthcare, looking after you always.